Welcome to the Short Term Show, the show about short term rentals and long term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Short Term Show. A lot of you come to us and want to talk about buying multiple properties to rehab or buying a bunch of land to build multiple properties. And our guest today, Brian Cataldi, has done just that. He's in the middle of a seven-unit rehab. And I am really, really excited to hear his story today. So Brian, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, this is a really cool experience. So glad to like I said, sometimes no, don't know if I feel too worthy to be on it, but uh, but it's pretty cool to, to do this. So Of course you are. Of course you are. Uh, everyone is. So uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about who you are and what your background is first. My background is a winding road. Um, you know, I grew up in northern Illinois, uh, grew up racing go-karts and doing some stuff like that, um, you know, raced with Danica Patrick and that kind of thing back in the day. So I uh, kind of did that for a long time. Went, uh, went out to school in Iowa. I uh, got my undergrad as a CPA and then uh, went up to Minneapolis and worked for a while. So I've done, you'll notice I kind of did the Midwest tour. Um, worked up there for a while, CPA at PricewaterhouseCoopers in the tax side of the house, which uh, was actually really cool because, you know, <laughs> I figured out really quickly. I mean, within the first three weeks that I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. But, uh, you know, you're working 70, 80 hours a week and you're looking above you and you're seeing people that are 50 that are divorced and they look 75 and, you know, they're making a bunch of money, but they're not real happy and uh, decided I didn't want to do that. But, but it was really cool because he got to sit on the side of the desk where I did a lot of high net worth individuals. Right. And uh, these tax returns were, you know, stacks of paper in front of you back in the day when, it, when everything was, was still on paper and uh, gave you a roadmap, a roadmap into how these people made money. And so that was kind of my first, uh, my first foray, I guess, into, you know, trying to understand what it was that I wanted to do eventually. And, you know, none of them make a bunch of money from a W-2. There's there's not one of them. They may have a job, they may have a salary, but it comes from one of their companies or it comes from a partnership that they're in and, and they're making money from K-1s and real estate and uh, lots of different things, right? And uh, my dad had handed me a book back in the day. So even back in 2001, 2000, I'm going to date myself here. Back then, uh, I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. My dad's an entrepreneur. And so I kind of had that in my background and knew that that was something I wanted to do eventually. And so, you know, winding road, I knew back then well, probably the roadmap in front of me of what I should do. And it took me a long time to finally get there. Um, didn't want to be a CPA, moved back to my hometown, started a company, tried to, you know, but I was pretty young and didn't have the, the character or the wherewithal to be able to do it. Um, so ran a company around race car stuff for a while and uh, did okay with it. 2008 happened, bottom fell out of the world. Disposable income is what drives race car stuff. And, and that uh, writing is on the wall. I probably need to do something different. And so I uh, went back to school, got my MBA only because I don't know what else to do. Right. And I uh, was, was trying not to be pigeonholed as a, as a CPA or an accountant and uh, started teaching on the side. I was like, man, you know, I like this and uh, I need to figure out a way to make money, good money and uh, and have some flexibility at the time. You know, if you if you taught in the academic world, academia, in the specifically accounting and finance, you're going to make north of 150 grand a year. So I was like, okay, I do that. I can have summers off. It's uh, it's not a bad living. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, eventually I'll be able to, to do something, take a risk down the road. And so graduated or, you know, graduated the MBA, 
went to Southern Illinois, like I said, doing the whole Midwest tour here, right? And I uh, got my doctorate down there. Um, lucky to, to be able to get in and, and pretty good experience for me. Um, and then went to Butler University in Indianapolis. And that happened in uh, 2014. And so I uh, took the job there. And, you know, again, I, I kind of knew eventually I wanted to do something in real estate or something, start a company, something like that again. Um, but took some detours in there. was still kind of too involved in the race car stuff and and just didn't really have the mindset or the the character, I think, to, to be able to do it. Um, and then, you know, kind of starting over, I needed, I needed money. Now the way the PhD program works a little different. I, I didn't go to a bunch of debt to do this. They pay you to do it. So it was kind of a nice deal. I uh, came out, worked for Butler for, I guess it was five years to uh, six years, 2020. And this is where the story really kind of begins. So 2019, um, I had finally kind of gotten to the point 2018, I guess we'll back up. I was going through some stuff in my life and, and, uh, Finally made that shift, I think, in my head to, to, to do something different and to, to change my character. So I, I really worked on mindset and, uh, and discipline and, and character development more than anything. Read some books, went down that wormhole and then found bigger pockets and, uh, you know, started listening to everything that I possibly could. Just consumed as much information as I could and knew that that was probably where I wanted to take a step was right there. Um, was kind of waiting, I think, until I got tenure. I was always waiting. That's that's kind of a theme in my life. I've, I've always had these roadblocks that I put in my head and, and waited and waited. Right. Um, whether the roadblocks were real or not is is debatable. Um, but in any event, so I wanted to get tenure. And if you don't know anything about academia, the way that works is, um, you know, you, you go up for tenure with a committee. If they give you tenure, you essentially have a job for life. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't, but you got to screw it up pretty badly to, to not have one. You get promoted. And if you don't get tenure, you get fired. You get let go. So you've got a year and you, you got to get out of there. All indications were should have been OK. Had, uh, you know, my boss was pretty, uh, pretty behind me. Um, you know, performance reviews were good. And uh, we get into the tenure process. And if anybody knows anything about higher education, very political. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm not your typical Ph.D. professor, if you can't tell. Um, you know, I wear cowboy boots and I drive a truck and I listen to country music and I'm just not not one of those guys. I uh, never have been. And I think uh, I think that probably played a bit of a role in the uh, in the whole committee thing. So, you know, I wound up not getting tenure. And uh, that was a big blow. Um, and uh, then life fell apart and you, you can't really script kind of what happened next. I uh, that was the end of 2019. I went out with my friends that night and uh, hesitate to tell this to the world, but I'll do it. Um, Went out with my friends that night and we had, you know, a couple of drinks at a Mexican restaurant. Go next door, we get a beer. I think I had two margaritas and a beer over the course of like five hours or something. And uh, I got pulled over that night and uh, get a DUI and, you know, a lot of circumstances surrounding that. I mean, I, I was barely over. I had no idea that I was even, you know, drunk enough to, to be uh, over the legal limit, but I was. And uh, so, you know, I take responsibility in that. Um, a lot of situations kind of behind the scenes that I didn't know is in a county that, that that's one of the big, uh, the big fundraisers for their, or the big funding centers for their, uh, their county and that kind of thing. But in any event, it happened. And so at that time I'm interviewing or starting to interview and I had uh, gotten a job offer in Nashville at Belmont university. And, uh, this is all going on in the background and I have to, to tell them and disclose it. And, uh, they pulled the job offer. So I don't want to do right. You know, now I've, I've, I've basically got a year, right. Uh, left under contract. And this is March of 2020 that this goes down. And then, of course, we all know what happens in March of 2020. 
right? The, uh, the, the world kind of stopped a little bit with COVID and nobody really knew what was going to happen. And it impacted academia pretty heavily. There were no jobs. Nobody was hiring. So I really didn't know what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a license at the time. So I moved down to, to, um, to my parents. My parents had retired to Knoxville, uh, Teleco Village area. And uh, so I was down there for probably three months while this COVID stuff was going on. Uh, the lockdowns were happening and I was trying to shift to, to figure out what am I going to do next? And, uh, you know, it had, it's funny what happens when you're backed against the wall, because I really felt pretty, pretty backed against the wall. I didn't know, you know, how much, <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to get a job after this. And uh, there were no jobs really to get at the time. And I knew that I had a year. So I said, you know what? I want to do this real estate thing. It's time to kind of take a dive. And, uh, and so that's where I did. And, and we bought, um, I had about a year where I knew I'd be bankable um, under conventional loans. So I bought a, a piece of property in Oak Ridge, which is a suburb of Knoxville, and I was just going to do some long-term rental stuff. And I uh, wanted to do specifically Burr. Um, I needed to force equity into properties. That's, that's kind of what I needed to do, I felt like. Um, so we went through and me and my dad did that one. Uh, me and my dad, my mom, uh, my mom torn, tearing down wallpaper. This was like a family project, right? Like we, uh, you know, so what I would do is I would drive from, I work in Indianapolis for three days and then I would drive down here for four days and, uh, the rest of the week and pretty much work on that house. And, uh, we got it to the point where it was, you know, um, ready to, to, to be rented and uh found another property and it was kind of my plan to just keep doing this right to to get into a property um, work on it and uh, hire out the stuff that i couldn't do and then and then move into the next one and and do it again just keep doing this and doing this and doing this so i was under contract in a triplex in uh, in oak ridge that i thought were pretty good numbers it was a three hundred thousand dollar property at the time i think it did about thirty six thousand in uh, in revenue and, and with rents escalating you know all that works right i mean this, this would have been a fairly decent deal overall and I wind up, you know, while I'm down here, um, looking up on bigger pockets and finding that there was a real estate meetup in Knoxville. And I was like, man, you know, I'm here anyway. I need to kind of get introduced to that, uh, that group of people who are doing this kind of stuff. And so uh, lucky for me, I think that was like a Wednesday. And, uh, and the next meetup was December of, I guess it was December of 2020. Um, the next meetup was on Thursday. So I went down there and met up with, with that group. And that happened to be Derek Tellier's group. And so uh, I meet Derek and Derek's talking about uh, cabins, right? Cabins, cabins, cabins. And uh, of course, at this point, I didn't know much about Airbnb. It felt a little risky to me. That's always felt like that to me. It was a super risky thing to do because all I knew about was not vacation markets. I, did, I just knew about Airbnbs and cities. And of course, the regulations at any moment, any, any moment they can pull that out from under you. I kind of knew about Nashville and some of the things that had happened there. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do that stuff. I said, you know what? The numbers look good. The numbers they're tossing around look better than this, this $300,000 triplex that I'm sitting on. So I'm under contract in this thing. I got 14 days or something to get the inspection done. We better go have a, have a conversation so I can figure out if this is something we want to do. And uh, went, I think that was Thursday. I uh, met with Derek on Saturday in, uh, in Gatlinburg, by the way. Never had been to Gatlinburg in my life. Hardly knew what it was. Parents had, uh, had lived here for about five years and somehow escaped or somehow never, never mentioned that this was a, a major market or a major thing going on near them. Uh, they didn't like it a whole lot. It kind of reminded them of the Wisconsin Dells from back in, uh, back home. And, uh, you know, not really our thing, but that's all right. So we go down to Gatlinburg, we meet, uh, meet Derek and he starts explaining the, the, the concept of the short-term shop and the concept of, of short-term rentals and vacation markets and kind of the numbers associated with some of those. 
And I'm looking at this going, you know, $300,000 triplex I'm sitting on that I think is going to make about $12,000 net at the time, one bedroom cabin. <laughs> this is crazy, right? It's like a year ago. At the time, one bedroom cabins were comping around 300. And so uh, when we were looking at the numbers on those, it was two to two to two and a half times what we were going to get in terms of cash flow. And I said, what the heck am I doing? If I can take the same capital and go do this, we need to go do that, right? So uh, I think that was, that would have been January or right at the end of December. Um, we were under contract on the first cabin. I pulled out on the triplex through the inspection process and then ultimately, did, you know, try to find a cabin. We found our first cabin, I think, and closed on it by the end of January in 2021. So we're about a year out from uh, from where this all started. That first cabin was kind of a bird deal. You know, I mean, it was it needed some work. It uh, it was a one bedroom with a loft. It had been long term rented and it was messed up, you know. Um, had a basement in it and, you know, I offered in an escalation clause, I think they're asking 225. I offered up to 300, didn't get it. Somebody out of Nashville grabbed it and, uh, and they came back around because it was on a shared well. And at the time, for whatever reason, the individual out of Nashville decided that scared the heck out of her. So she, she backed out of that. So we get the, uh, we get through the, the school year. I come down here in May full-time, grab my dad, my dad and my mom, and we go up there and uh, do this again. Right. And, and kind of the way that, that the numbers worked out, it almost had to be that way where we had to work on this one ourselves. And so uh, luckily for me, I got a father who is incredible with this kind of stuff. I had no idea. And it's been a really cool experience for me because, you know, I got a guy who's who you, you kind of rediscover that your dad is a superhero all over again. Right. You don't know how these people learned what they did. It's not like they had YouTube and that kind of thing back in the day and somehow have figured all this stuff out because, you know, my dad grew up little background on him. He grew up with with nothing and is a self-made millionaire and has done uh, quite a bit in the business world and and done some some commercial deals with real estate. And, uh, you know, when you grow up with nothing, I think you got to figure out how to do stuff on your own, which is kind of an art that's, I think, a little bit lost in uh, in today's world. And so uh, so in any event, he comes up there and, and we wind up spending the summer, most of the summer, and uh, redid it, went room to room. It was pretty much a remodel. I and mean, we had to clean up some stuff, nothing structural, um, basically just room to room remodel. Um, a lot easier than than what our our uh, our long term rental was. You know, not having drywall helps things out a lot. Uh, but any of it, so so we redid that one and uh, and then got it on the market to 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 do Airbnb and uh, and short term rent it there in August. From August until the end of the year, that deal did. Gosh, I think it was right around twenty eight to thirty thousand dollars. So uh, out of a one bedroom with a loft, so it did uh, did really really well, and I attribute that a lot to. The fact that we kind of went through it and and you know optimized the property, went through and tried to make it as nice as we possibly could. Um, so in any event, while this happens, this is you know that takes you through August. From I guess the time that I closed on our deal in January, right about March, Derek comes to me and says, "Hey, I got this deal. I don't know if you'd be interested." At the time, you know, now that we've kind of gone down this cabin path, I'm looking for everything that we can possibly buy that looks like a, a decent deal. And at the time, you know, we thought we were overpaying on the stuff that we uh, that we were getting up front. And now looking at it, of course, we didn't, right? But that's the what that's what you think at the time. Uh, but in any event, so I'm looking to buy stuff, and I I kind of have this because of the birth thing that we were going to do long term. I wanted to find properties that we could force equity into. And uh, there's a seven property off market deal. And uh, we go up there and take a look at it. I'm pretty green in all this. I don't know what I'm doing. 
and uh, take a look at it. And I see six cabins or seven cabins. We got to rehab. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Let's do this. And they're smaller cabins are kind of almost tiny homes, 500 square feet, roughly. Some of the, one of the, the biggest one I think is like 700. Um, and so I start putting this deal on paper and trying to figure out, can we make this work? And, uh, you know, bring my dad up there. My dad's not happy about it. He's like, man, this is way too much. You don't know what you're doing. There's things in here that you're going to find. They're going to be a mess. But, you know, I'm young and stupid and uh, decided I was going to do this. And they said, OK, we'll help. And so uh, they provided some capital along the way. Um, in total, this is about a four hundred thousand dollar rehab project. And I didn't think there was any way that we were going to actually get this thing. But got it. Bank said, all right, we uh, will fly with you on it. And so uh, did that deal. And uh, and in June, closed on it and then started work on the first property. The first property was not that big of a, uh, a rehab. It was probably the easiest one by far. It's the property that I'm in right now, actually. And uh, then we kind of started work on the next six. And the next six are up at the top of a mountain. And uh, they're, they're, a, they're a lot of work. And so uh, we're right about, I don't know, maybe a little bit over the halfway point on, uh, on the rehabs of that. In the midst of this, I find uh, my neighbor, who's 78 years old from the first cabin that I bought up in Sky Harbor, we get to be pretty good friends. She uh, she lives up there full time. She's kind of a kind of a hoarder, but a really really nice lady, kind of like your grandma, you know. And uh, she'd come down and, and see the work on the cabin that she used to own. So she's the one that sold it to me. They built both of those cabins that are up on this this private lane in Sky Harbor. And uh, she says to me at dinner one night, she says, you know, I think I think I'd like to sell mine. I got to get off this mountain. I'm 78 years old and I can't handle this anymore. And uh, and so I said, well, you know, what do you want? And so he came, came up with a number and she, uh, she said, well, I think I'd like you to buy it. So now we're in a contract on that. So I've actually got this one sold. Um, the, the kind of the, the, the plan was to always just sell this one and flip it. Instead, what I did is I kept it and rented it um, for about two and a half months to put some money back into the pot so that we could kind of help with the closing costs for the stuff up or help with the holding costs for the stuff up top. And we'll 1031 that working with Dave Foster to do that. Uh, 1031, the, the, the money out of this into that property. And last but not least, so that brings you up to what, uh, six plus one is seven. And then another one is eight. Um, there's one other deal that looks like I'd like to be able to do it. I don't know if we can pull it off, but, but there's this lot that's right below us in Sky Harbor. Um, there's my cabin here. There's kind of the, the, the old lady's cabin here which that property is really cool. It's a two bedroom, two bath with a garage that can be converted into a third bedroom. And then, uh, then also has an additional tiny house, bunkhouse, one bedroom, one bath detached unit with it, which would be really cool. We can rent separately. So in any event, there's this lot down below and uh, we tried to buy it at one point. They only wanted $15,000 for it. And they went through the septic sister septic permits and all that and could only, only permit it for a one bedroom. And the way that it works, it's real long and narrow and you couldn't get a well, a septic and a property on it. But if I own this one and I own this one, then I become the only one that can do something with this lot. So ultimately, I think the plan will be to try to try to get that lot and develop it, put it off a shared well from from the other cabins. So that's kind of my winding road. I mean, this has all happened in the last year. I closed on the first property in January, end of January of uh, 2021. We're at what, February now? And, uh, and, and this is all taken off. Now, in the midst of that, I find a job. So I do I'll have a full-time job and, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of have two full-time jobs and I, you know, I think this will be the lesson and some of the questions that you can ask me is I think a lot of people want to find this stuff. They want to find stuff that they can rehab and, and force equity into. And don't get me wrong. If I hear this one more time, I'm going to strangle somebody, but it will be worth it, right? It will be worth it when it's done. 
but the middle of it has been really hard. And I don't think people quite understand the, uh, the depth of what I mean by that until you kind of experience it. I mean, I've had to make major, major sacrifices. Um, I'm working in North Carolina two days a week. I get up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, drive out there two and a half hours, uh, teach, come back and I've got to be here. So I get back here. And then, uh, the other remaining time during the week, I'm spending managing contractors and, I mean, you name it, I've had to kind of deal with it. And then, of course, trying to manage the short-term rentals that we've got, too. So um, working full, two full-time jobs, trying to get to the point where I can uh, not have any of them. So that's uh, that's that's the line of road to get here. So, My goodness. Well, I have a lot of notes and a lot of <laughs> So, I mean, you definitely, that is a very anxiety-inducing past few years. So I actually, I went to Belmont for my graduate, for my MBA. Yeah. Great place. Great school. Reminded me a lot of Butler. I mean, just a really neat place right in the heart of Nashville there. Would have been cool. But. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Uh, but they pulled your job offer. That is like, so A, you already have this feeling of rejection from not getting tenure from Butler. Mm -hmm. And then you go to get another job and it's looking pretty good. And then they rip that away from you too. I mean. Yeah. It was, uh, it was the hardest year of my life, but, but you know, the funny part about it is, or not the funny part, but I think this has been a theme through my entire life. I tend to choose hard. And I mean, <laughs> clearly I take seven, seven cabins on at once and I've never done any of this stuff. I'm going to try to rehab them all. Right. I tend to choose hard. I'm a runner. Uh, you know, I've done CrossFit in my past. I've kind of just always chosen the hard path. And uh, you know, when things get hard, I think that's when you learn the most about yourself and that's when you really figure out and reassess when things are good. You're just kind of on autopilot. Right. And uh, so, so those challenges, the DUI, the, the losing the tenure, the not getting the job and actually lost another job offer right after that. So, uh, so a couple of things that happened right in a row that you couldn't script. And, uh, and those really made me sit down and reassess, what do I want out of this life? What am I trying to do here? Right. And I don't know if I would have taken the, in a weird way, all of that pushed me into this place because I was like, man, I got to do something. And uh, I'm finally, this is what I want to do. How am I going to do it? And so I'm not sure what taking the, uh, the steps to do it if, if not for those challenges. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still just like taking it all in of how anxiety inducing that whole year must have been and like how you must have realized and thought, well, okay, I do not want these other people in control of my life anymore. These people who are, you know, almost giving me jobs and then taking them away, that. I can see how that would push you straight into something yeah. that you could better control yourself. Yeah. Initially I started out thinking, all right, you know, we're going to, we're going to do this and try to create some passive streams of income um, in addition to, or to supplement a job. I never kind of, when I really put pen to paper, when I started out on long-term stuff, it was going to take like 25 to 30 doors to really get to the point where you could say, all right, I've got a, a comfortable living and enough equity here to be able to, to, you know, live without a job. And so really it was just to, to supplement so that I was in a position where if any, if any committee or if any job, you know, said, Hey, we're going to pull this from you. I wasn't in that position where it was the only stream of income that I had. It wasn't until really, you know, I found the short-term stuff and looked at the cash flow and the numbers that were, that were coming out of that, that I, that I felt like, okay, maybe this is something we could do full-time and, and not, uh, not have a job ultimately you know, with a lot less <laughs> <laughs> a lot less doors, a lot, a lot less than 30 doors to make it all work. So, Yeah, totally. So there's another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to call out before we get into the nuts and bolts of all your rehabs. So uh, you said we went down to Gatlinburg, 
didn't really like it, wasn't really my thing, but I bought a property there anyway. So yeah. that is a nugget of wisdom. So a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, I have to like going there. Well, I don't like going there. Why would other people like going there? It doesn't have to be your thing. Like I'm the queen of things not being my thing. I don't mm -hmm. want to hang out. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't like anybody. I don't like anything. I want to <laughs> just be text friends. Like I'm the, I'm the person who hopes that you're going to text me and flake on our lunch date before we go. <laughs> so like I'm the queen of things not being my thing. It doesn't have to be your thing as long as it's enough other people's thing to yeah. make the cash flow be there. So that's a really good point that I wanted to to make. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite place to vacation. It's more about how many other people go there. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I, sometimes I I think it's a good thing that I'm here because I'm like, you know, I can get here and I can I can work on stuff. And and then sometimes I'm kind of like man, I wish it was five hours away. So I had to force myself to figure out not how to do that eventually. Right. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm, I'm analyzing this market and I'm like, man, you know, at the time we had 12, 12 million, I think visitors coming to the park. What I can't remember what the next one is, but I mean, it's a, like a 10 million drop off to the next, to the next national park. Um, when you drive through here, you recognize very quickly, even if you try to go down the parkway for the first time and it takes you an hour and a half to get down the thing how popular this place is. So whether or not it's something that you particularly love, and there are parts of it now that I do enjoy. Um, but at the time, you know, I was kind of like, man, this is people and headache and nightmare. And I don't, I don't know, this is not my thing. But man, that's a lot of people's thing. Last year was 14 million people's thing. And, yep. uh, you know, I'm all about, uh, all about trying to figure out how to, how to make that work. So. Cool. So let's get into your, the, the six unit deal, sorry, six, not seven. Uh, so it's seven. It's seven. Oh, it, it is seven. seven. It is yeah, seven. Okay. Yep. All right. So when you're going to buy a property that has seven units on it, mm -hmm. I'm going to take a wild guess and guess that that's not conventionally financeable, right? Yeah, that's not convenient. I mean, we, we could have done it that way and we did set it up with a commercial loan so that it's, uh, it can be refinanced into commercial or into a conventional type situation. Um, that said, you know, to do that would have been really, really hard. And my debt to income situation, when you start throwing a million dollar loan in there and that kind of thing would have been really, really tough to make this all work. So we had to do a portfolio loan with a, with a, a, a commercial lender. Um, I was kind of fortunate, I guess, you know, a lot of what's happened here has been, has been because of, of people that I've met along the way. And I bought this property. And of course, you know, the, the way this worked was this was a private piece of, of, of land. They had this, you know, seven cabins on it. The cabin that we're in now was actually the office and uh, they converted it into a cabin, a two bedroom cabin. And then there were six one bedrooms up at the top. I think two of them might have one bedroom with a loft. So, so essentially a two bedroom on Airbnb if it's a good deal and it's got to be a good deal, right? Like I bought these things 50 cents on a dollar. Like it's got to be a good deal. And what I mean by 50 cents on a dollar is 50 cents of, of after repair value. And actually a little bit less because things have gone up now. Um, if it's a good deal, money will money will find its way to make it happen and uh, put a business plan together. I had, you know, a spreadsheet. Thank God I'm a CPA. I've got uh, I've got a spreadsheet with like seven tabs sitting there. And, you know, that's that's really that's <laughs> I showed that to Derek and Derek was like, my head's exploding. I don't know what you've got sitting here. Right. Um, he's like, I'm kind of just aim aim shooting and and, uh, and we'll figure it out later. Um, but with something like this, I mean, there was enough capital there that it was going to take and suck up to do it. And there was enough going on, enough moving pieces that I really kind of had to be sure because I had a pretty limited pile of money sitting there. You know, I mean, I had I'd saved and I had sold my house in Indianapolis and done pretty well. And 
I had, you know, three or $400,000 in the bank to do something with, but, uh, but when you're buying cabins and you're rehabbing cabins and you're getting into projects like this, it goes quick. And so I had to be sure that we were going to be able to make this happen. So. Wow. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the, so you could, you're saying you could have gotten it conventionally financed because it was technically already subdivided. So you could have just gone and gotten that many conventional loans. Got it. Got it. But you went portfolio. Yep. Okay. So if you don't mind getting into, I'm sure everybody's like, well, how much did you pay and how much is it worth? So we want to hear that stuff. So how much did you pay for that seven unit quote development? Oh man. Uh, I think we paid 975 all said and done. It's a little bit under a million dollars. Um, that stings. That's, that hurts me. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, you gotta, you gotta understand what I was walking into here. I mean, I couldn't even get into a lot of these units. They were long-term rented and, uh, and half of them I couldn't get into because they still had people in them. Um, when we opened the door on a few of them, just to give you an idea of what I was, what I was messing with here, um, finally got into one of them, opened the door up. And, and I mean, it looked like the floor was alive with roaches. I mean, just, just moving, right. Um, dog hair and by dog hair, I don't mean a little dog hair. I mean like a tumbleweed of dog hair in the corner and the whole place smelled like dog, uh, just terrible. I mean, an absolute disaster. Aside from that, we had some issues that I didn't know about. Um, that's the way it always goes. Right. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, a variety of things that were going on inside this property that that made it distressed. I mean, that's just the way it was, right? Um, when I put the numbers to it, you know, you got to understand I'm about halfway through this, maybe a little bit over halfway. I think we'll have this project done. I'm hoping around June. And as of this recording, what is this, February? Mm-hmm. So we got four to five months left, I think, before we're really kind of the point where I can rent these things. Um, but in any event, and it's been about a year long deal to get here. Um, but in any event, the numbers on it, you know, 975 bought it. I think that works out to like 137 or 140 a property. I budgeted to have about 40 to 45. So I think we'll be sitting at 185 in each one of these things by the time we're done. Um, <laughs> this is where it gets interesting, right? So the market has exploded and somehow coincided with the same time that I, that I did all this knock on wood, luckily. Um, so when this is all said and done, we had one sell across the street here. Uh, it was a 480 square foot property, outdated, had like the red heart shaped tub in it. And it went pending for, I think, around 360, 365. So this stuff with a view up at the top remodeled, I'm guessing 375 to four, somewhere in there. Um, if you do that times uh, times seven, what is that? $2.4 million or, or six times six times four is about 2.4 million. That's about what it'll be. I think 2.4 million after repair value. The seventh cabin down here, I actually... Um, already put it under contract to sell. Um, like I said, it was kind of always the goal to, to flip it. And that's the way that it was supposed to fund some of the stuff that I would have done at the top. Instead, I sold the Oak Ridge property and used that to fund the stuff at the top. And then I, I've 1031 this into that other property. So the numbers on this 137, 140, I think when we bought it for, I put uh, 18 in it furnished, gotten, uh, <laughs> got a pretty good deal <laughs> My to, uh, to get stuff done. We, we completely remodeled it too. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was an easier remodel, but, uh, but it was about $18,000 furnish it, remodel it on the inside, redo the kitchen, everything. Um, rented it for two and a half months. It made, I think right around $15,000 in two and a half months, put it on pace for a little over 60 annually, um, which is probably about right for what it is. Didn't have a hot tub. I made it pet friendly, that kind of thing. And uh, put it under contract for 350. Probably was a little bit low, but in all honesty, I kind of wanted it just to close. So we're supposed to close on that here at the end of uh, the end of February. 
and that'll be about a two hundred thousand dollar proceeds, I guess, that'll go into uh, into the ten thirty one on the deal that we're doing up there in Sky Harbor. So, all said and done, I'm going to force about a million dollars of equity into this into this deal. I think when we're when we're done, and that's that's the advantage, right? Like my portfolio when I'm done, I'll probably have a, at least at today's values. Who knows what's going to happen, right? But uh, about three point seven five million, I think, in uh, in assets. And the advantage of what I've done, and this is kind of where you know the the it will pay off uh, comes in. There's two two parts to this. Um, you know, I'll have about 1.4 in debt, so about 2.3, 2.4 million in equity, all said and done that we developed over the course of the last year. Whereas a lot of people, I think, when you're buying stuff at the you know kind of retail 10% down that kind of thing, you're going to have a lot more debt than I'm going to have when it's when it's all said and done. And the other part of that is because of that, the margins on this stuff. I mean, when, when we had a cabin next door, a little one bedroom that did about 60,000 last year. So I'm projecting to do somewhere between 50 and 60, but they should drop about 50% or more to the bottom line in cash flow. And that's simply because the debt structure that's on these things is just, just very, very different than if you had bought them with, you know, a 90%, uh, 90% finance deal. So that's the numbers on it. Um, in theory, anyway, we're not there yet. <laughs> That's the idea. So. But you're well on your way. And and so. for everyone who says like, oh, there's no good deals left anywhere. If there, you know, everything is shot through the roof. This would be an example because, you know, this was just last year that you started. It's not right. like you started in 2012 right. and got all this. So you're still, deals are still out there. They're just harder to find. You just have to have to keep putting one foot in front of the other in terms of continuing to look for them. So I think that's a very encouraging message that, you know, you just got started this year, last year and, um, and look at you go. So yeah. uh, this is a really, really encouraging episode. I'm really happy with this. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, if I, if I have one piece of advice there, it's, it's a network. This is, I mean, you've mentioned it before. This is a small town, right? It is not a big, uh, a big metropolitan area. And so, you know, the Austin Williams of, of this town and, and those kind of people, um, they control a lot. And, uh, and if you can meet the right people along the way, that's where you're going to find some of this stuff. And I brought Derek into a lot of it. Derek's brought me into this deal. Um, and so, you know, I've tried to try to be as inclusive as I can with him, you know, like selling this property. We, we found the, the buyer for this actually off market. My cleaner brought her, brought her to me and uh, brought Derek in to do that. And so, you know, if you if you have the right relationships, you're gonna you're gonna find things. That's that's a big deal, I think. If you're if you're hunting not just the MLS, not just the stuff that everybody's fighting over, but trying to get out there and, and really talk to people and make things happen, I think you're gonna you're gonna uncover some things along the way. It just it's just the way it works, right? It's the old lapse funnel that uh, that Brandon Brandon Turner always talks about. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one other thing I wanted to touch on. So you're you had there were long term tenants in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you bought it. So did mm -hmm. you have to wait out their leases or did you give them cash for keys or how'd you clear them out? Yeah, that was part of the deal. I pretty much looked at Austin and said, I'm not buying this. We're not closing on this until you get those people out of there. That's your problem. I don't want to deal with it. These were a mess. Like I said, I mean, I we pulled out six large, I mean, the largest dumpsters that A&A had. We, we pulled six dumpster loads of just trash out of these things. So um, they've been a lot of work. I mean, they've been an absolute ton of work. Gotcha. And, and a lot of times, guys, people will, they'll be looking for opportunities and they'll be looking for opportunities and they will overlook opportunities because they show up in overalls and look like hard work. So yep. don't wait for, and 
I see a lot of people just out there in like Facebook groups and stuff that are just waiting for the right opportunity to just be handed to them on a silver platter with a perfect spreadsheet on top of it. And like, here, sir, please buy this property. And it's just not going to happen. You have to, you have to be ready to do some work to get things to where you want them to go. Yeah. This has been a ton of work. I mean, (laughs) I think a lot of people, like, like I said, they, they want to find stuff like this, but when you're in it, I'm going to tell you right now, this is hard. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, hands down. Um, like I said, I kind of thought we were going to rehab some properties. And uh, we get up there and this has turned into a pretty much a development project. I've got a developer down here. Uh, Jared Story is the construction guy. He works with uh, with Perry Smith. Perry Smith owns a lot of the go-kart tracks and that kind of thing down the uh, the strip. He's done Legacy Mountain and done a few developments along the way. So they, they know what they're doing. And he's putting in, you know, six bed, five bath pool cabins all the way down, down the mountain below me. And so we've got to work together constantly on timing of utilities. And I mean, later today, I've got to draw up some HOA documents with them and try to figure some stuff out. We're sending over to an attorney. I mean, there has been more, way more involved here than I ever thought when I first started this. Now that said, because of what he's doing down the mountain, it's definitely helped what I'm doing up on the top. And, uh, and ultimately is going to be a great, uh, a great asset for me. So um, but this has not been easy. I mean, I have, I've had a sacrifice. Like I, uh, you know, I, I sold my house. I don't really have a house these days. Sometimes I stay in this cabin. Sometimes I've, I've got this little bunk house. That's part of the, uh, part of the old lady's, uh, cabin that, that I'm buying and I, I pay her some rent and I live in that that doesn't have heat. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, there's, there's been a lot of sacrifice to kind of, to kind of do all this. Um, and then, like I said, working a full-time job and trying to do this is another full-time job. And me and my dad, you know, we, we got, Adrian, Adrian Delgado is my contractor. He's been a great guy. He's been. You're going to regret saying that out loud on here. (laughs) Um, He's real selective on who he'll work with. And, uh, and, and he's, you know, I got him pretty much buried. So until, uh, until we're all done with some things, I don't think he's going to want to take on a whole lot more, but, uh, but Adrian has been a great guy become a good friend. That said, you know, there's, there's an old adage. I can't remember what it is. You, uh, you, you pay through the, you know, you can get it cheap. You can get it done fast. You can get it done right. You choose to, right. Yep. And, uh, and so, you know, we've had some struggles just like you're going to have with everybody. You know, I've got a pretty limited budget there. So I kind of had to, had to go down that path. And sometimes we've had to figure things out together along the way. This is a way bigger project than he's ever taken on. And he's, he's got guys that, uh, you know, probably didn't know how to do some of the things that we've had to do. And so me and my dad have gone up there and worked with them side by side to do some of that stuff. Um, so this has been a, a big time, big time project and very, very, uh, very, very involved. This is not a passive hands off. I can do this from out of state. This is me up here three to four days a week outside of my full-time job, trying to manage contractors and make this happen. And, uh, you know, Adrian's been great. He's, uh, he's, he's stuck by me and, and we become friends out of it. And I hope, uh, he'll wind up redoing this, this other cabin that I've got up in Sky Harbor. So. Well, I think before we get to the final three questions, the big takeaway with you, what you are a a great example of is mindset and a willingness to do the work. I think a lot of people get caught up in spreadsheets and obsessing, and it's really fun to obsess. Like I obsess over, my goal is to, I want to buy an apartment in New York City where we used to live. I obviously am not going to rent it out. Um, It would be for us and you just can't do it in New York City anyway, but like I'll, that's something that I look at, you know, every night before I go to bed, I'm kind of cruising around, seeing what's up. And a lot of people do that 
until the end of time on short-term rentals and never buy anything because they don't really want to put in the work. But you're a very good example of what a willingness of being a willingness to want to work and to put it in, uh, how that pays off. So um, very impressed by you for sure. I oddly like work. I don't know. At the end of the day, this stuff's been a blast and I've, I've, I've been able to work with my dad and, and that's, I don't know how many, he's 71, 72 years old. Like, I don't, I don't know how much longer we're going to have to be able to, to, to do this kind of stuff together, which has been a blast for me. I've learned an absolute ton. Now, I don't know, you know, in theory, the numbers should look good by the time we're done. It should be worth it. But even, even if it doesn't, I have learned enough at this point that I can actually do some development deals. So it's been, uh, it's been awesome. And I hope that, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because I grew up in this, this world and we'll talk about that. We get to the last three questions, but I grew up in this world where, you know, I was really good at school and in school, you kind of have this, this way of doing things where you know everything and then you get tested. Right. And so the, the goal is to, to know as much as you possibly can before you actually go take the test. And this was real life is not like that. Real life is take a leap, fly, learn as you do it. And, uh, and that's what this deal has been. I mean, I, I put it on paper and I thought I kind of knew, but I really didn't know everything. I didn't, <laughs> you can't know everything. And, and at that point I was so green, there's no way I could have. So, um, but took the leap and we're figuring it out on the way down. And so far anyway, knock on wood, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good gig by the time it's done. I hope so. It will be. I can almost assure you of that. <laughs> okay. So last three questions of the episode. What advice would you give to 20 year old Brian? Man, I thought about this one because you gave the three questions earlier. So, you know, for the, for the people who haven't been on the podcast, you, you know, this one's coming. And uh, of course my, uh, my answer is going to be, gosh, I wish I'd started sooner. Right. Um, but there's a catch 22 to that. You know, I was 21 and I kind of had the roadmap in front of me. I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'd grown up around the dinner table talking about business and, and entrepreneurship. And, you know, I was my dad, right? And, uh, you know, then I go to work for this 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 uh, CPA firm and I've literally got the roadmap of other people of how they're doing it. I knew what I was supposed to do. And I think uh, for a lot of people, I can hand you like a diet plan and say, this is what you need to do if you want to lose 15 pounds, Right. But you still have to have, there's a step before that. That's that's the character development, the discipline, the traits. I don't know if they're traits, but they're skills that you learn along the way to develop you, the person, so that you, the person, can follow the plan. And 20-year-old Brian couldn't do it. 20-year-old Brian hadn't done that yet. I hadn't done the work. I hadn't figured out the awareness of me. I hadn't figured out uh, what it was that I wanted ultimately. And I think until you kind of go through that uh, development process of yourself, where you really develop you your mindset, your character, so that you can go into something like this and have the discipline and the wherewithal, even through the fear of it all, to just get it done. Um, I'm not sure that 20-year-old Brian could have done this. So it probably worked out the way that it should have. I wish that I had, uh, you know, maybe back in 2008 when I was trying to figure out what I should have done, maybe I wish I would have been a real estate agent or done something in real estate to kind of get me a little bit further along. I wish I didn't have some of the, the mindset roadblocks that I had, like I don't have money. Um, you know, so I, I got to figure out a way to, to put some money in the bank before I go do this. I think the reality is I could have probably figured it out a little bit differently. But, uh, you know, until, until 2018, when I really went through that redevelopment of, of me, I'm not sure that uh, that 20-year-old Brian could have done this. And so that's my advice to everybody out there is, you know, work on you. Try to make sure you know where you're driving the ship because the worst thing that you can do is work your butt off and figure out the ladder, climb the ladder and figure out the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall, right? Because you never did the work on what it was that you wanted. So 
make sure you do that first. Once you get that step, then I guess uh, I wish I would have said do this sooner. Right. Great answer. Great answer. Okay. Number two, what advice would you give to a new investor who's looking to get started today? Well, I think we just did that one. <laughs> um, They're kind of related. Uh, you know, I, there's, there's, there's a, a second part to that, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I read this, uh, right. I listened to a podcast on the way over here this morning. I do that a lot. I'm in the car a lot. So I, I read, I listen to books and I listen to podcasts pretty much constantly. And a lot of what I do is, uh, I listen to, to stuff outside of real estate, mainly on mindset. Um, the one that I listened to this morning, great podcast. I'm going to plug it. Ben Bergeron was the, uh, the guy, Ben Bergeron is a, uh, a coach of, of high level CrossFit athletes. And uh, I've really gotten into his stuff because he does a lot on mindset and on, on character development. In any event, the podcast this morning said uh, it, was, it was on like, the big three and the big three were awareness, intention, and massive action. And, uh, you know, we just talked, we just talked about the awareness piece. You got to kind of figure out what it is that you want, where you're driving the ship, all that stuff, what makes you, you so that you can go figure out what it is that you want to do. The second part of that is intention. And that is, you know, eliminate all the things that are kind of extraneous and focus on what's going to get you to that place, right? Um, which for me was this discovery of bigger pockets and trying to learn as much as I possibly could. Um, but even after that, and everybody that's done this is going to say this, you don't learn, really learn until you go do it. And so you've got to kind of jump off and take that leap. And that's hard. Because everything that you've been ingrained in you is, is, you know, you need to know or you need to be sure. And there is no surety here. There are no guarantees. You just have to take the leap. I had spreadsheet. I thought kind of I knew how this was going to go. It has not gone that way. <laughs> um, but in some respects, it has. Right. And so um, taking the leap and doing it is where I've learned so much. And until you kind of go and, and get one under contract or put in the offers and start doing the work to, to get one of these things, you're, uh, you're really not going to get um, the education that you need. The education you need is from doing. So, Absolutely agree with that. And the very last question, what is your favorite book that has impacted your mindset? Yeah. Um, I just mentioned one of them, the, uh, the podcast series, I'm, I do a lot of audiobooks and that kind of thing. Um, the podcast series is, is really good, especially some of Ben's older stuff. It's, uh, it's all about, uh, you know, trying to find your purpose in life and what it is that you, uh, and, and how to, how to go attack that, how to get after it. Um, so that's a big one. Um, and then, and then also as far as book goes, this is not a real estate book. Everybody's going to say rich dad, poor dad. They're going to say real estate books. It's not, it's a, it's a seven habits of highly effective people. And, uh, I try to read that or reread that once a year. Um, it's such a good book for basically how to do anything that you want to do in your life, whether it's relationships or love or, um, friendships or career business, any of it. Um, it, it pretty much breaks down how to, in a, in a systematized process, how to go in and actually create habits that are going to create success for you. And before I get out of here, I got to thank a few people. Derek Tellier, for sure. Um, Derek has been a, a good friend, become a good friend. And uh, you guys, for what you do, I, I don't know if I would have taken the leap if I didn't feel like there was some level of, I don't know, education that came along with this. So you, you filled a niche that at the time was sorely needed, um, at least by me and I'm sure by other investors. Well, thank you guys. I want to thank all the guys in the real estate group, uh, the real estate investor group that we go to on Thursday nights. 
Uh, it's the last Thursday night of the month at Barley's in Knoxville. If anybody's local listening to this, got a lot of people that do cabins over there. I got a lot of people that do. We've, we've got a property inspector that I've now become really good friends with. Um, some long-term rental people that, uh, you know, we got kind of everything, flippers, wholesalers, all of it. That's been a great group. And, and like I said, you know, getting to know people is a big deal in this. Best thing I did here was honestly, I, I texted Derek one night because I was in town a lot trying to do his rehabs. I said, hey, man, you want to go to dinner? And he's like, oh, I can't. We go to trivia tonight. And I texted him back about 10 minutes later. I said, hey, do you care if I show up? And I'm sure he was kind of like, crap, you know, I'm on the spot here. Like, I don't want to bring one of my clients to this thing, right? And uh, wind up going to that. Now I go every Wednesday and met all of those people. And they have become great resources for me and just really good friends. You know, we kind of hang out. So that's been a good group. Yeah, I think my parents, of course, they have been amazing in this. Um, yeah, they choked me up. They're out of the room. <laughs> They've been oh. awesome. They've been absolutely awesome. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. cool. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This is a very, very encouraging episode. I think everybody's really going to like it and take a lot away from it. And uh, you clearly, you know, you've done the work and, and you deserve it. You deserve to be successful. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Avery. Let's, uh, let's do this again in a year and see how this turned out. Let's do it. All right. <laughs>